0: But music and especially old country still plays
1: a big part in our house today. And it just brings me instant peace and happiness. Music can take us back and bring an amygdala response that washes over us. Christine Nance had been given loving grandparents who played country music. Her memories with them are filled with peace. This foundation was just what Christine would need in life.
0: I remember a lot of nights just reading the Bible in my room, not really understanding anything that it, anything that I was reading, um, and just praying that my dad would get out of prison so that I could go live with him.
1: Welcome to Kavah the Podcast. Welcome back to Kavah the Podcast. I'm Kelly Archibald, and I want to thank you for tuning in. We live in a crazy world, so we made this podcast to shine some hope into your life. Our guests have lived through some incredible things, both good and bad, and they want to share their stories with you. Listeners like you make this podcast possible. If you've been inspired or encouraged by these stories, please consider supporting us on Patreon or contacting us about sponsorship opportunities. You can find more information about us at kavahpodcast.com. That's Q-A-V-A-H podcast com christine what is your first memory i think
0: that my first childhood memories would go back when i was about probably three or four years old i remember driving country dirt roads with my grandfather in the summertime Mm -hmm. Um, my grandparents had a farm and I spent most of my days at that age following him around. Mm -hmm. Um, they used to have these big cookouts out of their land where they would smoke food all day. And they would, my grandpa's friends, um, at night would come over with their guitars. and They would just sing for hours. Um, that is probably that. And I remember my great grandmother, Madeline, um, she also passed away when I was four and I just remember crawling up in the hospital bed with her and um, holding her hand. It was so cold and her skin was so thin and just Mm. she held on to mine and used to tell me stories. But those were probably my earliest childhood memories that I can call and some of the most special ones I treasure today.
1: Oh, wow. That sounds so wonderful. Both of those are wonderful. (laughs) Um, So
0: where did you grow up? I actually grew up in Bentonville, Arkansas, which is the northwest part of the state. Um, It's also known for being the home of Walmart or Sam Walton.
1: That's awesome. So was your family from Bentonville? Like your, mm-hmm. your They parents? were,
0: yeah, from Pea Ridge, um, a small little town, but I went to Bentonville Schools. My daughter okay. graduated from Bentonville Schools, yeah.
1: Okay, Pea Ridge, how cute is that? <laughs> yeah,
0: little, small farming town. <laughs> I love <laughs> that.
1: So do you have any favorite childhood memories other than what you shared?
0: Yeah, I mean, it kind of goes back to those early childhood memories and, um, one of my most favorite childhood memories were of my grandma, my grandma Dolly. Um, when my grandparents didn't have friends over with their guitars, uh, my grandmother would love to play records and she would play Patsy Cline and Loretta Lynn and would just dance around the kitchen. She loved to sing and loved music um, and she was one of the kindest people that I've ever known. Um, yeah, she was just really the rock that held our family together and um, but music and especially old country still plays yes. a big part in our house today and it just brings me instant peace and happiness
1: oh and her name was Dolly Mm -hmm. yes what a precious name and and you know we love Dolly Parton over here yes (laughs) exactly
0: yes I know you just don't hear it it anymore yeah oh
1: that's so (laughs) wonderful so who all was in your family like um your parents
0: Yes, so I was raised by um, my mother and her husband, okay. and I have um, three younger sisters. I'm the oldest. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, Yep. and I spent a lot of time with my grandparents
1: okay. as well. And now are those your mother's parents? Yes, okay. my mother's parents. Uh-huh. Okay. Those simple moments with her grandparents were vital for Christine's well-being. We don't often realize how powerful a peaceful space can be for someone. Christine had that security with her grandparents and it helped her wrestle through the chaos in her home life. How wonderful. So what are some some of the significant experiences you face that you'd like to share?
0: Okay. So um I guess going back to my childhood um I was my father's only child. So okay. um My mother married my father, but when I was about four months old, um, he went to prison in Oklahoma for 14 years. Um, so my mom remarried and her husband was an alcoholic with a really bad temper. Mm -hmm. So growing up, I remember I lived, we lived a mile down the dirt road and I was around 12 or 13, which would make my sisters about six and seven. Um, we didn't have neighbors close by, but about half a mile, um, from us in one direction was a pastor of a small Baptist church in town, um, Pastor Pat McKenzie. And um, our other closest neighbor was actually a deputy for the local sheriff's office. Oh. It just so happened. So um, Pat and his wife and family used to pick me up on Sunday mornings to go to church. Um, and some nights I would have to run to the deputy's house because um, my mother's husband's temper and physical abuse towards her. Mm. so I remember a lot of nights just reading the bible in my room not really understanding anything that it anything that I was reading um, and just praying that my dad would get out of prison so that I could go live with him and his side of the family in Little mm. Rock which is okay. about four hours away from us okay um then when I was 14 my dad was actually released from prison I thought my prayers were answered yeah um, i went and I spent the um, summer with him and his family which i spent the summer summers with um his mother anyway my grandmother um but i went and spent the summer with him specifically went out that summer but i came back um, to bentonville to start high school after the summer was over
1: christine had high hopes for her relationship with her father she thought that this was going to be another peaceful space like she'd had with her grandparents but the rug was ripped out from beneath her when she found out the truth
0: and I remember in October, one October night, my mother picked me up from the Friday night football game. And she um, told me that she, um, she, we had to talk. And she told me, proceeded to tell me that my father had been charged with the murder of an 18-year-old girl in Little Rock. So mm. I was crushed, um, a little numb, had a lot of emotions yeah. I was trying to process at that age. Um, my mom was actually going through a divorce as well during that time.
1: Oh, my.
0: And just the struggles of, like, fitting in and this school. Um, I didn't tell anyone close to me what was happening, uh, mm-hmm. but I really couldn't focus on schoolwork. Right. So shortly after my dad's trial, um, there was a verdict of the death penalty. Mm. And, yeah, and the victim's mother actually took her own life on Christmas morning and left behind her mm-hmm. husband and her son.
1: Oh, Christine. So how old are you at this point? Um. A- almost 15. The death penalty? Christine couldn't believe it. There were so many questions she couldn't answer. How long would her dad live? How was she going to make it through high school? She was terrified and heartbroken.
0: So in the midst of all of that, I dropped out of high school and was pregnant at 15.
1: Oh, wow. <laughs> but,
0: yeah. So, um, but it actually was a turning point in my life. Um, the trial was over, you know, I knew what was coming and, um, but I had to get my life together. Um, but I did find myself married at 16 and divorced at 18 okay. and tons of mistakes along the way,
1: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
0: but, um, I kept pushing through. Um, I used to despise and hate visiting my dad when I was younger in prison. My, my nanny Nance took me um, to Oklahoma every summer, and it was the worst. Um, mm. Visiting maximum security prisons in nice. the eighties and nineties as a child, um, mm. you got pad- patted down, and visitations were outside on the yard. They called it. and You were surrounded with just other inmates and their families, and just heard some very inappropriate things. And just, I just dreaded it. But looking back on it now, I thank my grandmother for taking me because. Mm. Um, when my dad was sentenced, you know, to death row, I knew our time was limited. I mean, yeah. I knew it always was limited, but I, but not in this, like, situation knowing the day and hour and minute. Right. Um, so now um, I I just knew I never could have the relationship that I used to pray for and
1: wanted. Right.
0: And our contact was limited. Our visits were timed. Um, and I knew that the rest of our memories would be made in a small room with cement walls and
1: <laughs> a countdown yeah. to his execution. An unexpected pregnancy, dropping out of high school, a marriage, a divorce, being a single mom, and visiting her dad on death row. But Christine kept pushing through. Little by little, she found a way forward.
0: Yeah, so one of my, um, best friends, um, in school was actually the sheriff of our our county here and he got me a job when I was um, about 20 and he knew of my situation and he was the closest thing really to a father figure that I had at the time Mm -hmm. Um, and so I worked for the local sheriff's office I actually spent 10 years there and I knew I didn't want a career in law enforcement but it was able I was able to go back to school and ended Mm -hmm. up earning my bachelor's degree in business from Tom Brown University oh wow Um, yeah, with the help of, um, we have a program here called Single Parent Scholarship Fund, um, and they offer, like, counseling service to recipients, um, ga- things like gas cards throughout the semester. Um, wow. They even, you can even use scholarship money for, like, car repairs. Things that, like, along the way of, like, a single mom, yeah. you know, all these obstacles come up, and you... May not be able to finish college, so it made right. it a lot more. I was able to do it with the, with their help, for sure.
1: Wow. So, um, so okay, the program that helped you through college—now was mm-hmm. that a state program or one through the university? Um, it's actually no, it's actually nationwide now. Oh, okay,
0: um, it is it what, single parent scholarship of Benton County. Now it, w- it went through the whole state of Arkansas, but it's actually nationwide
1: now. Oh wow, that's awesome. Yeah. That's a wonderful yeah. thing. Um, yes. so you graduated from college mm-hmm. Is that right? oh, with, what was your degree? What did you say? A bachelor's in business from okay. John Brown. Oh, awesome. So then, um, did you finish working at the sheriff's office? Were you done? Yeah, with- I
0: did. I did 10 years there. And then I was able to, once I was about to graduate from college, I did a short internship with a local supplier. Um, and then right after that, I started with, um, Sam's club home office.
1: So how old were you when you had your baby? Were you 16? I was 15 and turned 16 like about a week later. Okay. She okay.
0: was born, yeah, on the okay. 23rd of August, and I was 31st, so I turned
1: 16. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. And so yeah. what was that like, having a baby so young? Yeah, um, terrifying. Okay. <laughs>
0: so, um, yeah, I just, we we grew up a lot together. You know, we did homework at our the table a lot together. Um I kind of felt rushed, you know, a lot because, um, I wasn't fin- as financially stable as I am now. And just, um, we were, we were able to like, um, my daughter and I, we were able to go to like, we did, went to Africa oh, wow. um, on a mission trip. And we did, we had a lot of amazing memories.
1: Raising an unexpected child was a challenge, but also a joy. Christine got to create peaceful memories for her daughter doing homework together at the dinner table, just like she had those peaceful memories of dancing in her grandparents' house. And Christine's daughter was able to see her own grandfather before he was executed.
0: But a lot of my vacation times up until my dad's execution was spent um, traveling to South Arkansas. So my daughter and I, we went to visit him in prison.
1: Oh, wow. So you took your baby.
0: Yes. And I always said that I would not take her if she didn't want to go. Um, She was, you know, growing up, she all the way up until she was probably maybe about 10 at the time, or maybe a little bit younger. But it actually was great going because it was a little bit awkward for me because he wasn't there all of my life, and I right. was just a little awkward. But with her, she was so like energetic and was in tap dancing and
1: mm-hmm. ballet
0: and was just kind of like this show, and mm-hmm. she loved going. And oh. Death Row was a lot different than maximum security prisons in the 80s and 90s. Um, We actually didn't see any other inmates. They Mm. escorted us into a big room. My dad was not shackled or they took him off before he came into the room. And we actually could bring in some snacks from the vending machines, not like anything from outside, but it was a lot different than setting than what I grew up in.
1: Wow. Yeah. What a gift that she was to your dad. Yes,
0: for sure. For sure. And she cherishes them as well.
1: Oh, yes. That's so sweet. The day came for Christine's father to be executed and Christine saw in the end what really mattered. Now, did he yeah. ever share anything like, I'm so sorry that this is um, your life? Um, yeah, I actually, um,
0: so, I mean, I think I feel, I have a piece about it, uh-huh. um, actually. Um, so when it, he, at the very end, when we spent time with him, um, he actually asked me if I had any questions for him and I actually blurted out no, which I was really shocked because for so many years I was like, how can my dad love me and take another person's life? Right. And, you know, I, I was angry and I had, I had tons of questions, but in, right. the, in the end, none of it really mattered. Mm-hmm. Um, because I saw my dad, you know, grow, um, while he was on death row, um, I, I just a piece about him. He knew he was in the word every day. He actually um, agreed to speak to the family, the victim's family, oh, before wow. he was uh, put to death. Um, they chose not to, okay. and he didn't have any last words. But um, and that's fine. I mean, if it was if it was me, I would probably want to face him just for uh, closure and peace on my end. But they were the family was there for
1: the execution, to watching him be executed. Christine carried the power of forgiveness into her own family moving forward. Now, you've had some other um, changes in your family in in the past little bit. Do you want to share about that?
0: Yeah. So um, today, my life looks a lot different. But um, my daughter recently graduated from college herself. And she um, is living nearby, which is amazing watching her decide what she wants to do. Um and when she was actually like about a junior in high school, I, um, and I was like, I am way too young to be going through emptiness syndrome. Oh, <laughs> like being a yeah. mom is all I've known since I was a kid. Right. Um, <laughs> so I had that 10 years in law enforcement and I was actually still working at the sheriff's office, but I always saw these inmates come through and they would come. Um, a lot of times for drugs, but they would just continually come back and over right. and over and their, their kids were taken into the system. And so, um, my daughter and I, we decided to open our home to fostering. Mm-hmm. So we originally went into it thinking of fostering an older child, um, maybe a young girl that my daughter could possibly mentor right. and could, you know, help through, um, because those were, the teenage years were my worst and hardest years of my life. Right. But we never, we never got calls on any older girls. Um, our calls were always on younger, younger children for some reason. Um, so we ended up fostering a total of seven kids over the years. And um, of those seven, we adopted four. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so two different families and four kids. And so, um, yeah, so I just, I feel like I appreciate, things a lot more um I just when when going to my daughter's like choir concert I would just be kind of thinking like oh where are we gonna eat what are we gonna eat for dinner and but now having these four and just my situation's a little different I just like I can be at a a school performance and they're on stage and I just lose it (laughs) because I'm just just knowing like their backgrounds and all of their obstacles that they've overcome and just um seeing how far they've come is just truly amazing
1: yeah, that's awesome. And you have a perspective of of you know losing a parent, what that's like. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And so yeah. you you can empathize with you know what they've been through. So yes. that's awesome. Um so what um what has given you hope?
0: Um well, um, God's grace for sure. Um, and how he's just kind of, I mean, I can just see how he's watched over me and carried me through everything in life and just seeing everything kind of in full circle. Um, my oldest daughter, um, obviously, cause I just knew yeah. I had to make better choices, um, for her and wanted her to have a
1: better life as well. Yeah. And how have you, um, made a different family than the one that you grow up in?
0: Yes. Yeah, so, um, <sighs> Surprisingly, with single parent, I actually received therapy, which who I would have loved, loved to receive it a lot earlier.
1: Right, <laughs> so, right. <laughs> but, um,
0: so now with my kids, now I actually we are in so much therapy and mm. have been in so much therapy for the past five years. And they're each so different. Mm. Um, obviously, when you have multiple kids, you have to discipline and talk to. Right. And they all learn differently, but um, I think a lot um, through therapy has helped. And then my mother, like, um, my mother, I mean, she did the best she could, you know, when when I was growing up, I feel like, but I, today I love her so much. I couldn't do everything that I do today if it wasn't for her. I mean, she helps out tremendously with our family.
1: Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. And I'm sure that's a joy for her to be able to, to get to do that. (laughs) So what would you like for people to take away from your story?
0: I think um, a couple things. Like one thing I I just want to instill in my children is like never to be a victim of circumstance. But I Mm. want them to be, you know, a hero in their own life, whatever that looks like for them. Mm -hmm. Um, My children know that they were adopted, um, and they they know they lived at the shelter. But so every year we take presents to the shelter um, Mm -hmm. for the kids. But I just want them to always know where they came from. But it doesn't define them, and it's not who they are. It's just a part of who they are. And what they went through and what they have overcome. Mm. But I also would like, I think just for people to take away about forgiveness, because mm. I, th- I think that bitterness and resentment can, it only hurts you. Right. And um, I just looking back, I love, uh, like I said, my mother and then my nanny for taking me to visit my dad all those years looking mm. back because I didn't know our time was going to be limited the way it was. Right. And then my dad, like I, I love him no matter what he did. I will always cherish those memories with him. My only regrets are just not going to visit him more, even though right. we did as much as we could. Um, I just, I just encourage people to always to forgive those who have hurt them and allow themselves to heal
1: and move yeah. Yes. Now, what about um, uh, we delivered uh, some first uh, some first night bags the other day um to children to the CPS office and it's for children who've been removed for that first night so that they yeah. have all the things that they will need for that first night and she said they don't have enough foster families so some of the children are staying in hotels and they have to have you know round the clock care from caseworkers or whatever and so what is your um thought about fostering for the community
0: yeah, I try to um, I try to be as um, with a little bit of social media as as open and real as I can about um, about my my experience um, with them, and they they are all just I mean I didn't have one bad experience, but yeah. I always encourage people that if um, and tell people it having your own child is is a lot different than fostering or adopting another child. Like just seeing your child may not have the the, all of the, um, issues, maybe trauma, the, um, everything that that, the other child may have, they come from a different backgrounds, but just the, it's so much more, um, to see that child like overcome things and to grow and to heal, um, that you don't get to experience with your own child. Um, but yeah, I just, it's, I I, I can't even imagine what it's like right now with COVID and things. I'm sure that it's even harder to get, um, kids into homes right now, but, um, we did have so many kids come to us with in trash bags. Uh, right. That's what they had. And yeah, um, it's so yes. sad.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, I, um, I think it's awesome that you have um, taken all that has happened to you and turned it into good. And that is amazing. And that you're um, taking care of these other children that, you know, that you've um, you've really allowed your life to come full circle and, be so beautiful and successful. That's amazing.
0: Thank you. Thank you.
1: Thanks again for listening to the podcast. It's our joy to share these stories of hope in a confusing world to keep up with our guests and adventures and podcasting. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We would also love it. If you gave us a review on whatever podcasting platform you use. It helps us continue to share hope around the world. We are so grateful for our listeners who financially support Kava the Podcast. If you would like to become a supporter, please consider donating via Patreon or contacting us about sponsorship opportunities. You can find more information at kavahpodcast.com. That's Q-A-V-A-H podcast.com. I would like to thank my head writer, Rebecca Gray, and audio engineer, Meredith Douglas. I could not do this without you. You make this happen, and I can't express my gratitude. Maybe you've been listening because you found yourself in a desperate place. We want you to know that all is not lost. It is our desire that you would be able to borrow hope from those who've gone before you, those who've waited to find a positive outcome. Please be sure and connect with us via our website or social media. Until next time, take care of yourselves and each other.